Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to the very first episode of Season 4. My name's Satsunami and joining me for Mortal Podcasting is none other than the flawless victory himself, Craigie C. Craigie C., Welcome. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. Just finished. Literally in the last five minutes watching Mortal Kombat, so I am ready to chat. Was that everything you hoped for and more? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, for the fans. fans (laughs) So, speaking of fans, this particular topic that we're about to talk about was submitted by none other than our very own patron, Sonia, who actually asked us if we could do an episode on Mortal Kombat. So, you and I went back and forth. I was saying, have you played a Mortal Kombat game? You said, (laughs) have you? And, yeah, we came to the conclusion that the one piece of media in the Mortal Kombat universe that we both have consumed (laughs) twice at this point is none other than the Mortal Kombat film of 1995. But before we go into that, before we start divulging our love for this film, I tried choking that back, what is your experience with this franchise? So in terms of Mortal Kombat, I've played a few of the games, but I'm not much an expert. What I am an expert in, however, is terrible video game movies. And this completes, this movie is the third in the holy trilogy of 1993's Super Mario Bros movie, 1994 Street Fighter movie, and 1995 Mortal Kombat movie. So really it's such a jam-packed three years that they managed to get all those films out in three years in a row. <laughs> and it just there's no more movies after that for a long time, video game movies, because they went, no, nah, we're doing this again. So I'm an expert in this. <laughs> what about you? What's your expertise in Mortal Kombat? So I was just going to say what you're saying is this is indeed to the father, son, and holy shit of video <laughs> <laughs> Not in those exact words, but yeah, you were getting it. Not in those exact words, but similar. <laughs> but yeah, for me, Mortal Kombat is one of those franchises that I know about. You know, I grew up knowing about Mortal Kombat. You always heard Lawless Victory and, you know, the memes that came out of it throughout the years. But other than playing maybe a couple of the games and very much similar games that either copied it or drew inspiration, let's be nice, I haven't really played much of them. I know the characters. What I will say is, out of all of, and I know you'll probably be more of an authority than I am to speak on this, but Mortal Kombat seems to be one of those games that definitely is just so iconic in the fighting genre of video games. You've got your Scorpion, your Sub-Zero, you've got so many characters that you can think of off the top of your head when you discuss this franchise can't you? Honestly, I think this film's like a big part of that, but the soundtrack being like the banging soundtrack that is, and that being related to the, the games helps as well. It is one of the most iconic. There's a lot of other, obviously, fighting games, but this one's, it's one that never goes away. I think a lot of that is, like you said, the fatalities, the colourful characters and stuff. It will probably live on way longer than us if I'm being totally honest at this point. Well, how does it feel to be outlived by Johnny Cage? <laughs> it's an absolute privilege. It's a friendship finish, of course. <laughs> it's definitely one of those series that 
it solidified its place, I think it's safe to say, in the video game landscape. But as you said before, there was the quote-unquote holy trinity of bad video game films. And it all started, as you said, in 1993 with the very infamous, or famous depending on how you look at it, Super Mario Brothers film. And we all know how that went. But then the year after, we of course got the Street Fighter film. And then in 1995, someone said, yeah, let's try Mortal Kombat. And it's such a weird one to go for. See, out of all the video game properties back then, you know, in the 90s that were popular, can you see any reason why they went for Mortal Kombat out of all of them? To be fair, it was pretty popular. And, like, you got to think back to, like, the arcades and stuff. That was still quite big when that came out. And I think it was still quite controversial. What I don't so much understand, I guess, is, like, why they made it a 15. Why they didn't make it as gory. I know they didn't really want to like, appeal to kids and stuff. But you had the Terminator movies, had Children's Toys Association. We've talked about this before the podcast. Everyone knows that films that are 18 get shown to kids anyway, so they should have just went with it. So, yeah, I think, I think they wanted to do something, like, the game's quite popular at the time. It was just so controversial that I think they just wanted to try tap into that. And I think that's, like, why it looks so different, it sounds so different as they were trying to get that kind of counterculture part out of it. They didn't go far enough, I don't think. Do you think as well it was rooted in that mentality back then of video games being for kids? Because that was like a very prevalent thing in the 90s. It seems very weird how, as you said, this was a very controversial game at the time. It wasn't a game that you would have been playing around at your granny's or you would have, well, unless your grand was into Mortal Kombat, but you know, you wouldn't be playing this in front of your parents back then. So why they chose it as a not family friendly, that's the wrong word, but you know, as more of a teenager film. I mean, there is that case as well. Trust me not to bring Sonic into everything, but it was that idea, as you said, it was very much counter-cultural, wasn't it? That you had characters at the very lukewarm end, you had Sonic against Mario, and then you had people who were pushing the boundaries more and more with these video games to see how much they could get away with. So to choose something like Mortal Kombat and then make it more accessible to teenagers, I mean, I can see why. It seems like a weird choice, but I can see why they probably would have wanted to do it. That, of course, being money. But I actually wonder if there was Happy Meal toys for this. Oh, there definitely were. You know what? I'm, I'm going to Google this. Undoubtedly, there was at least children's toys or Happy Meal toys. Yep, there was toys. <laughs> oh, of course the were. Some of these look great. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Is that you just clucking out to bus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we did another big night on eBay tonight. <laughs> that one seller you buy from is just like, oh my god, I can't go get the big bags. It's that one seller I buy from whose kids have been put through private school because of me. <laughs> Surprisingly, Johnny Cage is the college maker, <laughs> as it were. But yeah, going back to the film itself, this was a film that you and I first saw together a good couple of years ago. And as you said, it was during a time where you were hosting a night to watch bad films with myself and a couple other mutual friends. And I have to say, this wasn't the worst one out of all the films we watched. No, this one, though, it kind of fell in that unhappy medium, which is I couldn't remember any of it, which I think is a pretty damning curse for most films when we do these terrible movies. 
highlights because you've completely forgotten. You're either so bad that people bring you up years later about Craig. Why did you expose me to this? Like you're talking Star Wars. You go on the other side, which is you become so terrible, you're memorable like a samurai cop. So this film being somewhere in the middle isn't a great sign for it. Yeah, because I have to admit there was some bits I remembered vividly, but then other bits I was just like, no. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea how I didn't remember that. And there's a lot of, I mean, very meme-worthy content in this film, but very quote-unquote iconic, I want to say, scenes. You know, you've got one person literally looking down the camera, yelling, Your soul is mine! And I was like, how have I forgotten that? <laughs> You're completely right, though. But say you're re-watching it, though, did you think it was as forgettable watching it a second time? Yes and no. I'm surprised I forgot so much in the same, same vein that you were saying, because, like, in particular, Goro looked so ridiculous that I'm surprised I forgot about him. But on the other hand, we can go into some more detail later, but the fight scenes were so generic and kind of all just plugged together. Even not long after watching the film, they're all kind of like already starting to glue together in my mind that I'm struggling to pick out the different fight scenes. So I think that kind of thing probably hurt a lot more than the remembrance factor. Because I have to say, some of the actors on this, and especially for Raiden, I completely forgot it was Christopher Lambert <laughs> that played him. The Highlander himself. I was sitting there thinking, why does he look familiar? And then all all of a sudden, he did that stupid laugh that he does. And I was like, oh my god, it's a Highlander. <laughs> I mean, was that a trait of riding? Any Mortal Kombat fans, please, for the love of God, put my mind to ease by saying, oh yeah, Raiden was like, <laughs> because I don't know why. I, I feel as if it's just that, you know that way when actors, method actor, they say, this is what I think the character <laughs> would do. Please, for the love of God, stop adding your own fan fiction into this film. But I mean, speaking of fan fiction, of all people, I did not realise that Steven Spielberg was meant to be in this film. Yeah, that was a very odd one. Because I remember watching that scene and I thought, wow, that guy looks oddly like Steven Spielberg. I wonder if it's a coincidence. And for anyone who doesn't know, it turns out that he was supposed to be in the film just as a brief cameo, but because of scheduling conflicts, he was forced to back out of it. So that is a bit of a shame because apparently he's a massive Mortal Kombat fan, which I also did no, I think that's pretty cool, but did not know that about him whatsoever. It doesn't strike me as the kind of person to be a Mortal Kombat fan, if I'm honest. Well, that was one of the things that kind of baffled me. I looked in the IMDb list of facts, as you like to do, and one of the things that kind of struck me is there's multiple stories of people really, really wanting to be involved in this film. So, like, they had that one. Apparently Tom Cruise turned up on set one day and he got kicked by out. The woman that played Sonya Blade wanted to do the film and got cast in something else, and then thankfully it got delayed and she was, like, right back in into it and all this and it's like why were people so excited to do this film that ended up being so bad <laughs> What was the... Anyway, I think it just goes to show you asking the question of why Mortal Kombat? Well, apparently everybody on the planet was hyped for it. Well, that's the thing, though, because going back to what we were saying before, video game films were a relatively new frontier in terms of filmmaking. You know, you only had the Super Mario Brothers film, which I guess bombed, or not bombed, but technically didn't do well for obvious reasons. You had Street Fighter, which again, they thought, oh God, this is even worse. Then we got this and people must have been really excited because obviously you and I were far, far too young to even remember this. We were alive. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, it would have been in the, well, not even in the back of our minds. But yeah, people must have been really hyped because I had a look at what other people were saying about this film and there seems to be a lot of nostalgia behind it. 
this film, which I find really nice. People going to the cinema to see it or, you know, seeing it with friends, with family and having that experience with them, which I thought was really, really cool. But what I found really weird, and I don't know if you read up on this as well, but two years later, the sequel for this film came out and that was the one that everybody seemed to be ashamed of. I didn't know there was a sequel. Really? Until just like I kind of came across it by just scrolling and stuff because that's, I think that's just how little it's spoken about though in terms of like the general discourse. Like, well, I actually was kind of surprised when I saw there was a sequel. It's really surprising because I think even the actor who played Liu Kang, Robert Shaw, he openly says he hated the film, all of them. Everyone <laughs> who worked on it do not have a good thing to say about the film. They're all like, this is a terrible film. I'm ashamed of doing it. He didn't even get Christopher Lambert back for reading, but apparently they gave him a script for a potential third film and he just immediately rejected it and said no. <laughs> Imagine that the Highlander saying nah, this is a step too far. And he's been in Highlander too. I just want to point that out. I was going to say yeah yeah he's been in his fair. He's got no justification for being above any script. <laughs> Think about that tonight lovely listeners. Think about that. <laughs> that your life could be bad but it's not as bad as Christopher Lambert <laughs> rejecting your script. <laughs> yeah, that was surprising to me because, again, I haven't really watched the sequel. Just for the purposes of this review, I had a flick through it. It's really bad. I just kept flicking through and I was like, okay, this is <laughs> absolutely terrible, even compared to this one, because for this one, this one's an oddity. I'm just going to say it, it's like a weird capsule of good ideas and faithful homages, which I'm really surprised at, because that is the problem with video game films of this time, and especially towards the early 2000s as well, where they say, okay, how do we get this video game film to blend in with the real world, or how do we get it to, you know, be more realistic, and they try to bend the story so much that it becomes something completely different, like the Mario Brothers song. But in this one, they don't care, do they? <laughs> Just say, yeah, let's fight a four-armed demon prince called Goro. Let's go. See, I have no problem with that either side of the argument because I think I always be like, your video game's still going to be there at the end of the day. So like, I don't mind them changing stuff. And obviously, like, they changed a lot of stuff in this film, like Scorpion and Sub Zero, which is completely made to be known characters and allies and so far. But it's like, eh, at the end of the day, the game's still there. I, I, I always think it's a fun thing that people got hung up on. I'm not a big mind in those kinds. I have to say though I am surprised that they stuck so close to the games for this film but at the same time you're completely right. It is good when they do try something else on the one hand but I guess when they stray too far and it's not successful they're not appeasing either the fans or the new audience that they're trying to reel in but with this film it seems as if a lot of Mortal Kombat fans aren't as angry at this film and I don't know if it's because of the sequel that's what I'm genuinely wondering I think nostalgia also just plays a lot into these as well like Star Wars fans they might be the best example of that like everyone hated the prequels when they came out and then over time people go to grow to love them and you know and I think it's the same with any kind of thing like same with the Super Mario movie actually actually Andrew Vitt and Paul Free like as nostalgia's increased for them fans are a lot more forgiven of these things and I think we'll see that with every film franchise as, you know as they get older and people are a lot more forgiven on nostalgia things just as another example for we watched for the Wolf of West season we did the bad movies we watched the Pokemon movie and that was terrible it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had I thought it was a terrible can film. I just sorry can I just point out that I was the only person there that night <laughs> 
You can. We watched the Pokemon film and it was terrible. It hurts to say that because like that nostalgia blinds you to it. Even if it is a terrible film, if you love that franchise, you will love that film over time. You know what I mean? Oh no, absolutely. It's like a mice and men moment, isn't it? When you go to watch a film that you loved growing up and then you realise it's terrible and you have to admit it. So you have to take it out to the bike sheds and <laughs> just... <laughs> I don't think that's mice and men. <laughs> that's old yellow. <laughs> You mean to say that George <laughs> and Lenny didn't watch Mortal Kombat? Don't, no, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Way too much to unpack here. <laughs> Your metaphor was so wrong in so many directions. That actually brings me to a good segue. Oh my god, how? Tell me about the Mortal Kombat, crazy. <laughs> So there's three mortals who are all going to get into combat with people I assume are also mortals, but they don't make that clear for Goro's path. And there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of people fighting in very flat, boring environments, which I guess is kind of similar to fighting games, so fair play actually on that one. <laughs> this is coming to someone that loves Tekken, by the way, so before anyone gets up on that one, I love the Tekken games, and they're the most guilty of it. Like, no matter where they're fighting in the universe, it always happens to be a 20 foot by 20 foot... <laughs> space that they've got. Yeah, so Johnny Cage, Lou and Sonya, they fight a whole bunch of people in a row in a tournament that makes no sense to me and they win at the end of the day. <laughs> and that's kind of the film. Oh, and then the Emperor shows up at the end and he's voiced by Frank Wilker who is the voice of Megatron. Do you have anything to add to my synopsis of the plot? No. Truly, <laughs> <laughs> you're completely right because it's something I never really thought about until you said I wonder what the bracket of this tournament looks like because none of it makes sense as you said one person wins one fight one person wins like three you know it's all over the place and then all of a sudden they end up fighting the main bad guy anyway even though they're told oh you can't fight him he's too powerful even though he essentially just drop kicks him like he did for everyone else and they're like oh okay so do they have tournament makers in that world if they do because Goro fought at least 20 people so he qualified for his own bracket I don't know what the format is but then they just end the tournament early because there's three goodies left and no bad guys left but then there's all like the guys that walk about or the mooks i don't know if they're in the tournament or not that's not very clear some of them get involved in fights yeah that's the, the there's a lot of plot a favorite thing i think of the plot is sonya blade she has like her own little story about getting revenge on this guy and her her plot gets wrapped up 45 minutes into the film it's like no no you're done back to being a damsel in distress you got action part of the film you're done with it that's her only fight until right then oh you can definitely tell that this was a 90s film though with the way they treat her character because she goes from being in combat gear as you do and then her outfits get progressively skimpier I want to say like I mean it's not overly bad when she's in the tournament she's got the shorts and everything but then as you said after she wins that fight and she wraps up her arc with I don't know the guy with the cyborg guy I'm going to piss off a lot of Mortal Kombat fans (laughs) I think he's called Kano or Kano Kano do it no Kano yeah then as you said she gets kidnapped to buy the main big bad and then yeah she gets chained up and there's this like really weird scene at the end where she's chained up and she's in a dress and she's like oh my friends are gonna save me when they get here and they pull down the hood like something out of naked gun <laughs> They're like, we're already here. Right, I need to talk about that scene because something else caught my eye and I couldn't stop watching it. There's an extra, right, 
in that scene who either messed up a take before or was just couldn't it was just really upset because at the very first bit of that where they're all carry, like they're all sort of walking down these stairs and they've all got their hoods up and they're all kind of bowed head but there's one extra whose head is bowed at like 90 degrees and I don't know it's because they couldn't see or they were scared of tripping over the rope or something went wrong but that extra was like I couldn't keep my eyes off because they, I was so sure they were going to fall because they were like looking so nervous it's hard to explain like without you have to look out for them because it's just this one extra who's like no i'm not falling today i'm not falling today <laughs> i mean maybe it was just looking out for the big spike floor that they had installed which sonia then at the end of the film she gets a dress she also loses her shoes which i don't know why that was in it but she then runs across the spiked floor in her bare feet it's like that's just so dangerous you've just seen someone die on that floor don't be running across that in your bare feet that's icky yeah i mean that's just health and safety 101 right there if you've got an open wound on that i mean between that and johnny cage not washing his hands after he punched a demon prince in the balls i mean i mean (laughs) no one washed their hands in that old fight did you see a sink in that film (laughs) So this is something that I brought up to you before we started recording, that one of the things I was surprised at was this was filmed in Thailand, which obviously that's not the surprising thing. (laughs) What the surprising thing is, is the fact that they did it in such a remote area that they had to ferry people out on a boat. And I'm thinking, why did they do it in such a remote area? Like, obviously it must have been easier for them to film and things, but can you imagine being so ashamed of your film? Yeah, I think they were just trying to avoid health and safety that you, they hadn't got any sinks installed. <laughs> Speaking though of people messing up, I genuinely don't know whether this was intentional or not, but there's a scene where Johnny Cage has got all his bags and he just like yes. face plants, but then later on he's climbing up the stairs and he just lets them drop, and I am convinced that the actor dropped them by accident. Either that or it's just very convincing the way he does it, but they all just drop down and there's this weird voiceover that they've had to do to be like oh no my bags oh no and they just forgets about his bag <laughs> and the cgi the bag rolling down the hill as well like yeah because he's in the camera out. but that's the thing seeing that world does that mean that all his clothes and things are there is there a demon rocking up looking like johnny cage i'm trying not to think too hard about any of this man because like <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be real with you because when you start getting bogged down into like why did these people not bring a suitcase he's getting made fun of in the film for being prepared but honestly man see when i go on holiday see if I'm away for like, so I can't remember if I mentioned this in the trial episode now. See, when I'm away for like seven days, I bring like 14 pairs of pants because I crap myself twice a day, man. Like, <laughs> I don't blame them. And everyone else is rocking up with nothing packed. Lads, what if one of the rounds of Mortal Kombat's like a swimming contest? You've not got something to get changed into. He's getting made fun of, but he's absolutely correct and everyone else is wrong. I'm just thinking of you're the main villain, Shangson, just being like, your suitcase is mine. <laughs> It's just like, no, that's where my 14 pairs of pants are. (laughs) It baffles me that he's getting made fun of for actually thinking about the tournament. Consider this situation, right? You don't pack, okay? You enter Mortal Kombat, you win, and then you save the entire world, right? And you get presented in front of, I don't know, at the end of this movie, it's like Sherlyn Monks, but you know, you can put your own, whatever whatever you want to get presented to the world. But the night before, during the banquet, you spilled some sauce on your shirt, right? So you just got this big saucy stain on your shirt, <laughs> the entire tournament. And then when you get presented, well done, Satsu saved the world, but also, by the way, that shirt has is disgusting. You'd want to change the clothes. See, speaking of food, can I just like go off in the <laughs> no, tangent? No, 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 I want you to answer this guy, I want you to answer this guy. 
agree with me on this? No, no, I totally agree. On. Like, I would okay, okay. imagine the smell. Oh. I'm gonna say, imagine the honking smell. You're standing beside the guy who saved the world, and you're like, Jesus Christ, were there no shivers around there? I mean, there's a lake, you just go there. You haven't packed any clothes, you haven't packed, packed a towel again. Johnny Cage probably packed a couple of towels in those suitcases. Smartest man in Mortal Kombat, one for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but so, can I just go back to speaking of both food and disgusting for a second here? See the scene where Sonia's nemesis, as it were, has eating scene. Why did that food look so disgusting? <laughs> I kept looking at it and I kept thinking, is that fake meat or is it real meat? I was trying to figure out what meat it was supposed to be. I know it was supposed to be like chicken or turkey or something, but it was I don't think. <laughs> it was undercooked raw because it looks so rubbery greasy and he was biting into it and I thought alright okay he's not supposed to be eating that if that makes sense you know oh, he's pretending to eat but then bits come off it and I'm like no he's clearly taking bites off of it what is that <laughs> what meat is that it just looked disgusting <laughs> I don't have any dad on that, that's great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was ringing, yeah. This entire place seemed like a nightmare, honestly. So, we've established no sinks or really any running water. Everyone's wearing the one pair of clothes. One pair of pants. Yeah, one pair of pants. They have to do the thing where you swap it around direction every day. And then the food's all disgusting as well. Like, this seemed like a nightmare. And also, then, you know, the whole Mortal Kombat side, I'd be happy to die at that point. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's a Russian roulette for shitting yourself. Like, I know we joke about it when we go on holiday, but it's like, this is the true Mortal Kombat. Don't oh, eat yes. the pink meat and don't shit yourself. It's my ruin of the tournament, I just can't make it out because I'm too busy throwing up. You can have my soul. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let it end. I mean, would he even take your soul at that point or would he just be like, nah, you're good. I don't want that shitty soul. <laughs> It deters bears and soul taker. <laughs> Speaking of shitty things, will we talk about the choreography? Yes, let's talk about the choreography. Yeah, you brought up something very interesting, so I'll hand it over to you. This film has pretty shitty choreography, I guess is the analysis here. There's so many fight scenes in this film that the choreography being fine is terrible. You know what I mean? It's okay choreography and that makes it bad and it is difficult to criticise it too much because it's the 90s and I, I feel like there's kind of a couple of moments in, in, in history after the 90s like obviously the growth of UFC and then I guess the Raid films like that becoming more mainstream where you have uh, maybe like Daredevil I guess as well those kind of like things where it's like these TV shows and films having these ridiculous fight scenes and I bring up UFC because then that brought like a more realistic fighting to the public as well so it's kind of hard to critique films in the 90s about bad choreography but just to sum it up there's a point near the end of the film where Princess Katana is talking about what Blue King's going to fight in the tower. And she goes, oh, you have three fights. And I'm sitting like, oh my God, I can't watch another three fights. And then I realised it was a metaphor. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. Because I, <laughs> I can't deal with three more fight scenes in this movie. Because I don't think any of them were inherently bad, but they were so forgettable. And really the only one that sticks out in my head at all was the Johnny Cage Scorpion fight. Because at least that had environments that they used. The environments in this one were very boring. Like I was mentioning about the movie joking the fighting game earlier but the other thing I think made it quite boring is none of the fights had like objectives so I guess what I mean by that is you can either every fight scene in a good movie will have an objective whether that is win the 
the fight with Kelly Betts Miller, it's the person is injured, so they're going to go after the injury. Whether it's the good guy's injured, they're going to protect themselves. It could be something totally different. Like one character has to get to a certain location by time. Like I'm thinking of like Captain America Winter Soldier fight in that film where he's trying to turn off a button in a fight at the same time. You know, those kind of things. Every fight in this was two people standing across from each other. They punch a lot, they kick a lot, and then someone wins. And that was the entirety of this film. And again, that's fine for one or two fights. But see when it was like, there was so many fight scenes in this film that I just gave up on it. I was so tuned out by the end. What did you think of the choreography? I wouldn't even say it was serviceable. Like, it was, as you said, it was okay. You know that way where it's like, okay, we need a punch in this scene. They gave a punch. Oh, we need a kick in this scene. They gave a kick. But it wasn't anything that I would go running back to anyone and be like, oh my god, did you see that fight scene? Or, oh, did you see this kick or whatever? It's definitely very underwhelming, especially for a Mortal Kombat film. And I was saying this to you as well before we started recording, that I checked out, just out of curiosity, a little bit of the 2021 film of Mortal Kombat. And I was so shocked. It's like night and day, obviously, the difference between the choreography in that film versus the 1995 one. It's absolutely surreal how different it is. And I know it's because, again, it's a 90s video game film. It's a film that people probably thought, okay, let's get a quick buck out of this and everything. But it's weird as well, considering that there's so many references and kind of in-jokes and things like that for the film itself but then to drop the ball when it came to the action because you're completely right if you look at films like The Raid where let's face it the story's not great it's pretty average all things considered but it's one of the best action films of all time and the reason behind that is because of just how amazing the action is the choreography is fantastic it never keeps you bored if that makes sense it never leaves you bored it always keeps you entertained it keeps you engaged whereas as you said with this it just plotted along and I mean there's some very nonsensical moments not even the ball punching of a demon prince you know that's just typical 90s comedy quote unquote but I mean there was even a scene where Sonia this is one we haven't brought up actually she finishes a fight and she snaps a guy's neck with her calves yeah, yeah I have to talk about this so oh no action movies tropes episode I actually brought this up because it's one of my favourite tropes is that you always have to kill someone with your thighs and she is upside down choking this guy with her ankles there is no leverage on this at all and he could have just walked away it was he willingly went down for that man like and then yeah he, obviously we get the 90s one liner so he goes oh give me a break she goes okay and snaps his neck. You know, it's weird how nowadays you would call that kind of character a psychopath, but in the 90s they were a hero. I was just getting into Pierce Bros and James Bond territory. <laughs> nah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing that for the greater good. Don't mind the hundreds of bodies that are just dead behind him. <laughs> Going back to the action though, it is okay and this is the danger and I don't know how you feel about this but I feel as if this is the danger with ensemble films, especially with a film like Mortal Kombat where you've got such a wide range of different characters and you're trying to get quite a few of them in. Like don't get me wrong, Sub-Zero and Scorpion, let's face it, and Reptile technically, all three of them are just like a palette swap and they don't really speak that much. At least in 
this film, but as you said, you've got Princess Katana, you've got Shang Tsung, you've got Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, you've got quite a few others as well. You know, you've got a lot of people there. That is a lot to pack into a film that is, I think, an hour 40. I'm being generous here because it felt longer at times, but yeah, it's quite a dangerous thing to do, especially for that time, because as I said, this was the relative early days of video game films. And you know, for the Mario Bros film, you had Mario, Luigi, Bowser, and technically you had Toad as well, and Peach and whatever, but... Yoshi. Yeah, you well, a dinosaur called Yoshi. Come on now. Come on now. Canonically Yoshi. <laughs> Canonically. <laughs> Canonised Yoshi. Punished Yoshi, if you will. Biblically accurate Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, then you had Street Fighter, which did exactly the same thing. It's like, oh, look at all these characters. It's, you know, that running joke where you go to a restaurant and then the waiter's like, oh, do you want salt and pepper or like cheese or whatever? And they keep piling it on and you're like, no, no, that's enough. That's enough. I said it's enough, but they just keep going. That's what it feels like. And I know obviously the film has a lot of problems, but do you feel as if that is one of the major problems that there's just too many characters? in this. I don't really know if I'm honest because I'm trying to think if I'm watching it as not a fan. So like, does it matter that you know, you've got Scorpion and Sub-Zero and Reptile and stuff? I guess the question is, is what would the film look like without them? So would they have just had as many fight scenes but with less characters? You know, because you know, I feel like they didn't really explore any of the characters anyway. So on the one hand I, I actually do think it's an interesting flaw with all these films. I think that was quite an interesting point about trying to get these ensemble of characters into like an, a linear narrative which is quite a fun and interesting take. But I don't think have three main characters and three main villains is like crazy overload for a film. You know, X-Men got away with it. So, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely a way of doing it. It's just this film wasn't it. It's definitely not the worst example I've seen of like an ensemble film. But you're completely right though. It doesn't deep dive into the characters and obviously especially in the 90s I wasn't expecting like a deep dive into why Liu Kang's bedroom's light green. (laughs) <laughs> and also the things that he owned in that bedroom was like two shoes, a bike on the wall, and a single eight kilogram dumbbell. It really blew my mind. On a dartboard on the floor. What a weird, weird chap. <laughs> Oh yeah, and these granddad's weird Western Union message where it's like, <laughs> your brother's dead, come home. And that was it. You thought, wow, they really didn't beat around the bush there, did they? <laughs> Just like, your brother's dead, come home. See, in hindsight, because obviously we are living in the year 2023 as we record this, we have the beauty of hindsight. Would you say this is the worst, if not one of the worst video game films you've seen? Or do you think it's not as as bad as people make it out to be. Mm. It's a difficult one because I guess it's what's your definition of worst. So it's probably one of the most boring ones I think we've watched. But then, like you said, it, it sticks pretty well to the films and people quite enjoy that. And it's difficult to say, you know, because on the other hand, you could see people will say things like, oh, the Super Mario Brothers movie is the worst video game adaption. And I can see the argument because it's nothing like the games. But I actually think the film's okay in the sense of it would be, if it wasn't called the Mario Brothers movie, it would have been an average film. So I don't I don't really know. I don't have an answer. Because I, it's definitely one I'm probably not going to watch 
watch again. You know, and I'm not excited, excited to look back to watch it, but then its objective was to make a film, sell a lot of film stuff, help the games by being like a video game, and it probably achieved that. If you listen to all the nostalgia about it, so it probably did its job. So I don't know. Where does your art lie on that? I guess the same question goes back to you. Where do you think it kind of ranks? Yeah, it's the one that I have to say because I've not got as much nostalgia for the Mortal Kombat franchise that I wouldn't go and rush back and watch this film. You know that way where you see a really good, bad film and you think, oh, I've got to rewatch this again. But for this one, yeah, it's bad. It's got some funny moments, funny one-liners. You've got that scene with Johnny Cage where he throws the autograph down in Scorpion (laughs) after he slices his head open. Very brutal, but it's Mortal Kombat. But I wouldn't say it's the worst. See, going back and rewatching it, it's definitely not one of the best by any means of video game adaptations, but what I was surprised at was how much they took from the games, which I was really shocked by that because I kept thinking to myself, how did they get so much and yet somehow stay so faithful for the most part? Because obviously there's some liberties that have been taken and such, but for the most part they did a good job for what they had at the time. And see, in all honesty, I think they did a fantastic job with what they were given, but at the same time, yeah, it's not one I would go back and watch. What I will say though is one thing I did notice, and I don't know if you noticed this as well, was how I suppose cavalier they were with the theme song. This this made me laugh because it's very much that James Bond thing of like, when you know something's going right, you just drop the theme. But they did that in this film like four times because that theme is so good. (laughs) It was like, no, no, another fight scene, drop the theme song, let's throw it in again. They were all over the film with that theme song. Because it's something you don't really see, especially nowadays, as much with video game films. They don't have a, not a need, but they don't have an interest in putting in the video game music. Maybe they do it as like a mix. They mix it in with their soundtrack almost, but that's really all they do. They don't put in the theme song right away. But with this film, you're right, they just, they threw it in at the beginning, which I was really surprised that <laughs> it's just getting yelled at Mortal Kombat and they just kept using it whenever the good guys fought the bad guys and then they did that thing at the very end of course where they sequel baited but the only difference between this sequel baiting and the Mario Brothers one was that they actually did get a sequel and it somehow was even worse apparently because I don't even know if Mortal Kombat fans really like the sequel I've heard they hate that but somehow don't mind this one (laughs) so what a reputation this film has but on that note before we finish up is there any final point you want to bring up for this or I think I'll say what I say a lot of times we talk about bad movies but this film is best enjoyed in a group and not on your own <laughs> because I feel like we watched this the reason I can't remember this film is because we probably spoke over all the boring bits <laughs> I just yelled Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I didn't say we were speaking sense, but <laughs> when do we ever speak sense? <laughs> not commentary. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm not a fan for this one. If you're gonna watch it, watch it with a group of mates and have a laugh, I guess. On that note, Craig C, thank you so much for welcoming in the fourth season of Chats and Abbey. It's a pleasure to have been here, and congratulations on reaching season four. I can't wait to listen to the rest of it. Yeah, now you've only got forty nine more episodes to go. <laughs> So next week is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm actually busy. Forever. Forever. <laughs> You're not even sugarcoating that. <laughs>
So if you want to listen to more of our episodes, you can catch us over on our website, podpage.com forward slash chats and army, as well as Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. Just look for the Ray Panda under the name Chats and Army, and we'll see you there. I also want to give a huge shout out to our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Sonia especially, thank you so much for recommending this topic. And if you want to hear Craigie C and I's commentary track, not on this film, fortunately, but on other films such as the Digimon film and Japanese Spider-Man. It was a fun time. You can catch us on patreon.com forward slash chat tsunami. But until then, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly... <laughs> yeah, what he said... <laughs> Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Shatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that's so- sounds like your cup of tea then you can check us out on spotify itunes and all good podcast apps as always stay safe stay awesome and most importantly stay hydrated join me slade and my two co-hosts joey and tim over at the video game club where once every two weeks we review a video game not too dissimilar to a book club podcast you can You can find us at the Video Game Club on all good podcast uh, providers and some sketchy ones as well. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one track audio waves. But with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.